Hello there, and welcome to Sweet Shot of Time. I'm your host, Steve Barnes. Today, we're recapping Wheel of Time, Episode 4. This one is Daughter of the Night. Sounds like a, a hairband metal song. Might be a Bon Jovi song or maybe some White Lion. Uh, this is a chapter title from The Dragon Reborn, uh, Book 3, so we're not too far off base here. I'm here with my co-host from MLMPod.com and Mostly Speaking Sentai and some new podcasts that have come out recently. It's the Marshland Monster. Ahoy, James. The wheel, it weaves. It does weave. Hey, what a very appropriate um, intro. Also, I think Daughter of the Night might be a Rachel Sweet song. Or maybe that's I'm a child of the night. No, I think that's that's like um, Children of the Corn or Vampire stuff. She has a song. It's not Daughter of the Night, is it? Who knows? Let us tell it in a did you ever watch the sweet life um oh yeah sweet life is zach and cody no no the sweet life starring rachel sweet on the comedy channel you just no. seem like you would have you know i've it, never heard of it or rachel right. sweet. sorry dang it you've never heard of rachel sweet <laughs> no i haven't listeners have you tell have us- you seen have you seen cry baby doesn't sound familiar. Okay, it's a John Waters movie. She does a singing for the main lady. Did you watch the smash hit? This actually seems like a movie you would have rented. It's called State Park or Metal Summer or yeah, like Thrasher Summer. It was about like a Mm -hmm. these like metal dudes go to a state park and they win a competition, so they're able to like buy good equipment. It's so good it's on Tubi, but there's a song of hers on that. It's crazy. Oh, you've seen Clarissa Explains It All? Yes, I have seen okay, that. Okay, she did the theme song for Clarissa Explains okay. It All. I want to see this movie about the guys going to the state park and uh, and thrashing it up. That sounds great. Do it. It's so fun. <laughs> but the wheel weaves. I, li- I like that, James. Um, we got a lot of stuff going on here this week. Um, first off, this fun-ass episode. I think it kind of faltered in the middle a little bit, but it started strong and it ended really strong too. So like I walked away from this episode, very happy. Um, People having relationships and just being that's still good for story, Steven. (laughs) What? (laughs) You're saying, oh, it faltered in the middle. It was people like we got to see what they are up to how yeah. they are living, how they are dealing with these things that have been happening. It's still conducive to the plot if I it use is. conducive correctly. No, you did. You're right. I I just, I mean, I personally thought it was a, a little uneven of an episode just because um, that that's my personal opinion, James. Oh, okay. I, well, I, spe- we'll eventually talk about your dog, but hey, your dog <laughs> ever have one of those things, those one of those toys that it's like, it looks like a dumbbell. <laughs> And it's like all yes. chunky on one end, chunky, and then little in the middle. Guess yes. what? He's not saying, oh, I wish it were just one big tube. No. <laughs> he likes it how it is. It's big in the middle, or it's bi- little in the middle and big on the ends. Now, look, I'm no Wheel of Time purist. I'm no Infinite Tyler. I, I enjoy this show, and I'm just being that- a little honest here. Also, we... Uh- <laughs> Infinite Tyler is someone on IMDb who is the new Wheel of Time purist. This was before we were recording where I revealed, oh, W.O.T. purist is out, but Infinite Tyler on IMDb is in (laughs) as the person just shitting on this show now. (laughs) Well, I don't know. There's nothing I don't think, even though I don't think it was an even episode, there was nothing to shit on here. Because, yes, we, we got 
a very happy puppy in this episode, which I'm very happy to talk about when we get to it. Um, we got some cool stories, especially with Celine. That's a really enjoyable storyline. Uh. But, you know, speaking of people who say, you know, this doesn't follow the books or whatever, almost all of this is like show only stuff. And there is book stuff that's like remixed in here. But like the storyline between, what did I write down here? Um, Moraine and Lan is completely show only. This whole warder stuff about Mask and the Bond, that's completely show stuff. This whole Matt and Min getting together and them being in prison for Leandrin, that's all show written stuff. So like, I'm in the kind of, what I'm trying to say is I'm kind of in the same boat as you, where this stuff is like, I don't know where we're going to be going next. I'm going to pause for a second because Hopper, my Hopper, it's going nuts out there, so I, I'll let you talk. I was going to say, uh-oh, I, I I think the White Cloaks are coming. <laughs> Just as we expected them to be. <laughs> the stuff that happens at the end between, like, Celine and Rand is, is also kind of like a remix. It happens in the books, but it's also a big remix, like, of characters and places. So I think they're going in the same direction. They're just taking like a different route. Mm -hmm. And I'm not being all like wheel of time purist about it. I'm very happy to have differences, but it's just, it's just neat to me how a lot of this stuff is completely show only um, revelations. Even the thing at the end about the lady. Um, that's more of a remix. Okay. Um, but yeah, one thing I want to talk about that's definitely show only is Layla, who is, um, you know, Perrin's wife who died in the first episode. There's been a lot of talk online because she's a show character. She's not a book character. Perrin was never married to anybody named Layla, but there's a lot of talk online among like the wheel of time people that possibly Layla was a dark friend. And that's something that's been speculated for two reasons. One of which I understand. Parents talk about how Layla was really happy to see Pat and Fane and they wave to each other enthusiastically. Um, the other one is I don't quite agree with it, but there is some, you know, some truth to this. How right before Perrin um, axed her in the stomach, it looked like she was about to hit him over the head with her blade. I don't really agree with that aspect because it looked to me like she was still fighting those Trollocs. Mm -hmm. But some people are saying that, you know, she was about to kill Perrin if Perrin didn't kill her and that she was a dark friend and that she was the one who was feeding Pat and Fane all this information about the five of them in Two Rivers. I also don't agree with that because it would make more sense of like, no, make sure it looks like a Trollop was the one killing him because if it's like, well, wait, he was stabbed with a sword. Who did that? <laughs> I guess she could say, oh, it was an accident. Like he, oh, maybe he's a dark friend because he said, oops. <laughs> I'm not sure if I agree with it or not, but it's something that could be explored later and could mm -hmm. come up later and be more parent development. Um, I wanted to talk about Elaine's red hair because you brought that up. Um, the last episode that we recorded, which was episode two, um, you brought up the fact that she had red hair and nobody was claiming she was an Aiel. That was and episode was, three. Um, maybe it was. Okay. All right. Yes. Because I hope we're talking about episode four today. <laughs> we are talking about episode four. Okay. But Ooh. I have just recently posted stuff about oh. episode two, and that was where the Elaine conversation came in. So a bunch of people on Facebook were kind of, you know, examining that as well. And there is some book... Um, 
could be some mild spoilery stuff that comes up later um, between the two of them, Elaine and Rand, the two redheads, but nothing crazy. It's not nothing like, you know, they're secretly whatever. It's I'm not even going to spoil speculation. <laughs> okay, because I speculated, I hope they're not brother and sister. That would be stupid. Unless, right. hey, uh, t- we find out that woman was fighting with twins inside of her. It would ah, be stupid. <laughs> yeah, I, it would be stupid that, oh, they're brother and sister. That's dumb. But it would be rad to, have, to watch yes. that scene again and be like, she's fucking them up with twins <laughs> inside of her? <laughs> Holy Christmas. <laughs> well, they're remixing a lot of stuff. So that's why I'm saying, like, I don't want to give away this this minor little teeny book spoiler. Because we'll give it, it away now. No, I'm not going to. <laughs> but, okay, what I want to say is people think Rand is an eye eel, not just because he has red hair, but because he's extremely tall. He's mm. supposed to be like 6'6". Six, six. So that is supposed to be the big, like, eye eel thing. And Elaine is just a normal, regular-sized person with red hair. That's like me and me trying to find a man. If you're not six six or heighter, I'm not gonna be involved with you. That's one way to objectify men. Great, James. I like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's how to demean short, not kings, short peasants. Because six six is a short king. I'm trying to get that <laughs> six nine so I can yeah. six nine and really have to stretch my neck. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get to the recap, James. Can we please? <laughs> yeah, you better leave all of that in. I'll be so upset if you don't. It's in there, James. It's in there. <laughs> uh, we start this episode out with a cool code open. With a code open. Cold open. We got Ishmael here at the heart of another one of these sealed um, forsaken prisons. So he goes there and it's obviously, or not obviously, I hate when I say that. <laughs> Last episode, I think I said it like 20 times and I wanted to edit every one of them out. Um, it's like, see- uh, yeah. obviously, uh, my two <laughs> friends, James and Nicole, know who uh, Gibby Haynes from the <laughs> Butthole Surfers is. Hey guys, listen to Mostly Speaking Sentai when we talked about Guar, Phallus in Wonderland. It was very funny. It was very great. You're right. <laughs> Uh, but he's sealed up with one of those Quiandar, or I like to call them the Heartstones. Um, this guy, Ishmael, can easily break that stuff up. So he frees another one of his uh, Forsaken. And it looks like a definitely feminine figure, all bloody with like long black hair. It's not a mystery because it's wrapped up within this same episode, which mm-hmm. is one of the reasons I thought this episode was so cool because I thought this was going to be like a long, drawn-out thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, they wrapped it up this episode. Um, Heather knew immediately who that figure was, the bloody figure with the hair. Whoa. Did you have any inkling of who that was? No, but it's something that is on like next time on, I did call something previous season on the next time on, but... In my notes, before we got that reveal, I just wrote down, I wonder if the innkeeper is a dark friend trying to pollute him covertly. Well, I was half right. She's not really a dark friend. She just is uh, an extension of the darkness, I would say. Well, one of the Forsaken. She's beyond dark friend. Like She's just as powerful as our Ishmael dude here. Which, hey, guys, we find out this fucker was right last season. 
Oh yeah. What? Okay. What about now? What about? Which will find it's it's in the previously on. So if you skip that, then you'll be like, uh oh. We oh, were okay. speculating. I did skip it. If oh, you did skip it. The previously on for yeah. next week. Uh huh. I, yeah, I haven't seen it yet. Okay, then I won't. Then I'll wait for next episode. There you go, folks. All righty. You got a week to go. And so do I. I feel really left out right now. <laughs> also, do the Aes Sedai say spells? Because he was saying a spell in the beginning. Not generally, no. Okay. No. I think this is more of like a dark friend. Not dark friend. A darkness uh, forsaken thing. And the spell, we couldn't understand him. He was speaking what's called the old tongue. But he said the name Lanfear a couple times. And uh, mm. Lanfear is a name that we've already heard. It's one of the strongest Forsakens that's out there that's imprisoned. So I think, I think that's the first word he said was Lanfear. And then he started saying all that other, you know, cool stuff. Yeah. And I was thinking if the wheel, it's all circular, the dark one will eventually come. Just raise everyone to not accept the dark one in their life. And then when he comes around, hey, you want to know what? We don't want you here because that will also destroy the world. Why would we want that? Well, James, that's exactly what people do. People put their kids to bed at night in this world, like warning them about the forsaken and they pray to, you know, the light. And that's exactly what people try to do. But. You know, some people have these weird inclinations and some people are more susceptible than others. Dang some it. people are just power hungry or they just have like a strange mentality of hate. I don't know. And the, the dark one recognizes these people and sucks them in with, with their dreams. Why do we teach kids algebra? We should teach them love. <laughs> I agree. Algebra. <laughs> <laughs> what? Is that a Simpsons joke? I just made it up. I don't know. Okay, That's real good. <laughs> okay. Uh, next scene, we got... Uh, oh, at First, I want to say, we don't have an intro to the show anymore. This is the fourth episode. There's no intro to the show. All they do is they show that little wheel spin around. They play the noise for five seconds, and that's it. Oh, hey, guess what, guys? Still haven't even seen that because it gives me an option to skip the intro and I skip the intro. You're skipping like two seconds. That's all you're doing. Well, <laughs> hey, that's two seconds I can't get back. <laughs> so after that, oh, and by the way, um, it's already over by now, but I do a cover version of the Wheel of Time theme song and I played it at the beginning of every show. It's also available on Spotify. That's my early plug, James. And you only do you for this season. You better only be putting a little bit of it in. Ooh, I've already been doing like the whole song of the intros. Re-upload, no, re-upload. You know I don't. <laughs> and it breaks my heart every time. Instead of having like thirty-eight listeners, I could have thirty-nine. James, come on. Well, <laughs> screw off, Steve. <laughs> Did you listen to Death to Squibs? Uh, it came Squids. up in my feed. It came in my feed today. I haven't listened to it, but I did not delete it. It's gonna Hell get listened yeah. to. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna get back to Lady Anavir or get to her. I haven't even gotten to her yet. We meet Lady Anavir Damondred. She's the head of a dusty old house, old royalty. Um, on the downside right now because of a reckless uncle destroyed their fortune at some point. So they've kind of, you know, lost a lot of their servants, lost a lot of their fortune, but they're still trying to make their name. 
Uh, we learn later on that Lady Anavir has turned the house around big time and she's marrying her son to the queen. So that means like their family's going to be, you know, in the fortune. That mm -hmm. means that Moraine's nephew is going to be the king consort. Spoilers. Well, I mean, that's just the relation because, you know. Well, I wanted to really set this up because as they were doing, they were having an emphasis when she awoken mm -hmm. to show that she's putting a lot of time and care into looking younger where she like puts on the wig because she yes. has gray hair. I think she had a wig on a wig because I'm pretty <laughs> sure the gray hair isn't her hair. So if that's right. the case, she had a wig on and then was putting a wig on over that. If that's the case, two thumbs up to that mastery. No so she's spending time and she like looks like uh, exhausted, like it, it, emotionally, physically. And then she gets the there's a lot of emphasis on her age. And then there's emphasis. Hey, your little si no, older. your older sister. So like there. So, oh, she should be the younger. So who we're about to see will be a Decrepid. much older person. <laughs> but I was like, this has to be an Aes Sedai. I don't know which one, but that's going to be what we see. It's going to be a young person coming in. And then it's Meringue. I know that's some, that's some greatness right there. Um, most of us book readers already knew that she was royalty of some sort, but this, you know, gives what? it to us. Yeah. Because well, royalty, what? No, even us show watchers knew that. Oh, okay. Did they reveal that in, in yeah. season one already? Mm -hmm. Which, okay. I, all right. I feel like that's, that's something that they didn't capitalize on with right. Meringue and Lan of their both royalty. Mm-hmm. And I think that could also be a reason. I was going to bring this up when she said, oh, we're not equals. Like, even he is royalty and so was she. But th the reasons why they aren't anymore are so vastly different. One kind of chose to right. forsake in that. And then the other had this thrusted upon because his kingdom is no more. Yeah, and he was forced to flee his kingdom. That's right, as a young baby. But yeah, you've already given you've already given that part away. The older sister arrived. It's Moraine. Um, she briskly demands her old room and secrecy, and she pretty much immediately runs off to maybe return later for lunch. Mm -hmm. um, with this age reveal here, we learn that Moraine is probably around ninety years old. Nineve. There we years go. Old. <laughs> so maybe not as old as some of the other Aes Sedai. It seems like she should be, but I mean, based on this information we have here, she's naive. <laughs> um, uh, she asks for a bottle of Gelden Red, of course. And oh, I wonder what that's for. <laughs> and we learn that they are in Karheen still. Um, or now that now now they are in Karheen. We've been seeing Rand and Celine and Loghain, and they've been in Karheen this whole time. So this lady, Anavir, has lived here all her life, and now Moraine is arriving in town, and she's also in Karheen. And she was one of the nobles at that dinner party last episode, right? Yeah, she's the one that was talking to Rand that came okay. up to him. That's and correct. that's why you said, hey, I, I know the next episode. Oh, I don't need to explain <laughs> her at all. She'll be explained. Yep. Yeah. She invites Rand over to like, you know, hang with her. And she's like, hey, watch out for that one over there. 
And based on this information, I think we can kind of trust this, uh, this lady, Anna Veer. The mm -hmm. other ones I'm not sure about, but we, you know, we know this one a little bit more now. Uh, I'm going to cut back over since we're in Carheen. Also in Carheen is Rand. He's clearing debris from the fire at Celine's house. <laughs> Celine is bummed out that she can't charge him room and board anymore. Oh, um, she doesn't blame Rand for the accident, which is nice. In fact, she invites him to come stay with her at her cabin at Kenslayer's Dagger, which is a, a area. <laughs> that this is when I was like, "There's something up with this lady." Oh, th at that th that point is when you thought about it. Yeah, why is that? Because she's too calm and too like, "Hey, be." I don't want you leaving my side. So then it starts getting fishy. Yeah, and I guess the fact that she is so laid back about her like her livelihood getting burned down, mm -hmm. she should be a little more upset about that, maybe. But yeah, she's laid back Celine at this point. Um, that's just a short uh, scene there with them. But I wanted to give you some quick geography, if I could, um, just to let you know how far away people are from each other at this point. You should ask my friend Tyler Wright's kid. He's excellent at geography. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm just going to um, simplify this for you and I. You and I are in America. I know a lot of our listeners are not, but I wanted because I'm most familiar with our country, um, I want to use that as a basis of reference. We're both saluting right now. Salute your shorts. All right. Um, Perrin and Loyal right now are as far west as possible. So pretend like they're like in, on the coast of California. Who's That's smoking where, that Cali Kush? Well, they're prisoners right now, but they're in uh, Tom and Head and Falme. And hey, that's over that, far west. In that liberal state of California, I bet they do let their prisoners smoke weed. <laughs> okay, a little farther inland from um, Tom and Head and Falme to the east, you would find the two rivers, probably around where like Nevada is. Okay. And, a little further east from that is where you're going to find Andor, which is, that's the city that Elaine is going to be taken over eventually. And those are the cities that we have right now. If you keep going all the way east, like pretend like you're in Virginia now, that would be Carheen, which is where Rand and Celine are. And that's pretty much as far east as you can go comfortably, because right there, further east is what they call the spine of the world in the Aiel Waste. That's where most of the Aiel live, is as far east as possible. So pretend instead of the Atlantic Ocean over there, it's like some weird mountain stretch and then like just a wasteland beyond that. Well, I was just going to say, I think Jersey Shore, am I right? <laughs> well, yeah, speaking of Jersey Shore, let's go up north then. If you go a little further up north, that's where you're going to find Tarvalon and the White Tower. So basically that would be like in more like the New York area is mm -hmm. where you're going to find Tarvalon. And then if you travel even farther north than that, like up in Canada, that's where the blight is. And that's oh. where the eye of the world is and stuff. Oh, wow. That's very close. Yeah. It's, I was it thinking, is pretty close. Yes. I was thinking those were super far away from each other. Uh, well, Tarvalon and Faldara are a considerable distance, but it's about as far, I guess, as like DC to New York, I guess. Oh, wow. And then not I even mm -hmm. New York to upper Maine. Um, maybe I suppose, but I mean, they're not, they're not unreasonably far away from each other. It's a long trek, but I mean, it is done. Okay. Well, what's the, uh, the mitten state of this land? 
<laughs> what is the mitten state? I don't know what that is. The mitten state. What, what state looks like a mitten, Steve? <laughs> I can't think of any mitten-shaped states off the top of my head right now. Steve, if you look, the, it's if you look from the 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 astronauts. Uh huh. And you look at the globe, you can okay. see one state. It's a mitten, Steve. This is baffling how you don't know one of the states is shaped like a mitten. <laughs> Steve, pull up, pull up the, the United States right now. Map of the United States. And it will glare at you so hard. Leave all of this in. Okay, oh, my right. goodness, Steven. <laughs> I mean, I guess everybody's know. yelling at me right now or they're saying, what is James talking no, about? If I what said like the, the, the like fun, like the the flipper fin state then you'd be like well wait what's that but which is how i would explain one of the aspects of the mitten state idaho what it's michigan you jagweed <laughs> it vaguely resembles it's a, a goddamn mitten. hand look at this <laughs> steven okay look at my look at my hand turn it around put your thumb on the other side Oh, one, okay, so it's, it's yes. flipped on your side? Yes. Okay, now your hand vaguely resembles Michigan. <laughs> I, it's not like I said, oh, yeah, and then the Upper Peninsula. That's when people get confused with thrown in the Upper Peninsula. My friends who live in Chicago all their life have never heard of the Upper Peninsula. Have they ever heard of the Mitten State, though? Yes! <laughs> they have? That, oh. Haven't you listened to rap music from Detroit? That's why they call it the Murder Mitten. I Completely unfamiliar, James. I'm in I'm in uncharted territory here. <laughs> well, moving on. Let me know what where <laughs> in this land where Michigan would be. What's there? It would definitely be part of the blight. I think I think it would be blighted as hell. The blight is that far as well into the Midwest. I don't know. At I'm least not sure what would be there. I'm just making it up, James. The Upper Peninsula is a goddamn blight. It looks beautiful, but boy, oh boy, if you're not out of Marquette, there's red hats everywhere. <laughs> All right, we're moving on to Tower of Alon now. We're back at the tower with Nynaeve. And Nynaeve, unlike us, she's sad. She's still in bed. She's still mourning her losses from the arches. Um, she's an accepted now. We see that she's got the cool multicolored robe. And she has her ring now. She's got her Aes Sedai ring, but it seems like she's kind of ashamed to wear it. Mm -hmm. Like somebody knocks on her door and she hastily puts the ring on. Um, but it seems like that's not where her head is at it right now. It's like uh, you and me with our wedding rings, am I right, buddy? Yay, yay. <laughs> that's right. Actually, yeah, I don't wear a wedding ring, as a matter of fact. Whoa. <laughs> bachelor. I'm a, I'm a bastard. <laughs> what? No, I said bachelor. I know, and I said I'm a bastard because I don't, I feel like a bastard sometimes for oh. not wearing it. But I'll, I'll wear it. We're going to a wedding next week, and I'll definitely wear it there. I'll show off my, uh, my, my banded love. Because you respect the ceremony of holy matrimony. <laughs> I do. I do. Every night I like say my prayers and I respect the, the sanctimony. You redo your vows to Heather. <laughs> okay. Egwene comes in here and Egwene is like giving her some sort of breakfast. Um, she hugs Egwene. I mean, she hugs Nynaeve. Nynaeve does not hug Egwene back. Uh, Egwene says something along the lines of, you know, oh, none of it was real, but it was real to Nynaeve. In her and mind, she, she spent years there. 
but yeah, I wrote down, but she wished it were real. <laughs> Especially now that she's, <laughs> she's feeling so dour and bummed out. I bet she does wish it was real and want to go back. But this is showing us that, you know, Nynaeve is definitely still in kind of a, a questionable place right now. Can I give a quick update from a couple episodes ago? Of course. I said I would wake up Nicole by saying uh, mm. I there's curtains to our bedroom that we pull back because there's no door. And Nicole's like, it freaks me out. Just an empty doorway. <laughs> I pull those curtains back and I say the hour waits for no woman. And it's been working. You've so been I, actually doing it every yes. morning? Uh-huh. Fantastic. So I am wor- <laughs> I'm wondering if I were to do daily vows to Nicole, how quickly would she just I don't know, like break one of my bones? <laughs> daily vows like such as like, you know, good morning my queen, today my uh my, every breath is a breath to you or something like that. Uh, vows in, you know, like a marriage sense, <laughs> like I vow to do these things. Like it's really just my de- my chores that I need to do for the apartment or for her. I vow to take an order to Wolf Baden B-girl. <laughs> Does Nicole ever wake up and just want to be alone? <laughs> she can't. So regardless, she did once she I talk about it on a Patreon podcast, so I won't rehash it here. So sign up for patreon.com forward slash MLM pod. Mm-hmm. Nicole said a very nice thing to me about waking up every morning, this and that. And yeah. Oh, OK. It sounds like love. I like this. All right. Well, OK, I'm going to get back to our story here. Egwene loves Nynaeve. So she gave her a hug. Nynaeve is not feeling it. She did not hug her back. Okay. <laughs> she starts to. Uh, she puts her hands up and just hangs there. It's she, it's not a real hug. She's not she, into it. She kind of s- puts her, r- rubs her fingers on that ass. <laughs> no ass grabbing. And Egwene says, whoa, excuse me. <laughs> well, speaking of ass grabbing, actually, we're going to head our next scene over now to um, Alane, who is a, a nice ass grabber. Lan is staying with them. He's hanging out with Alane, Maxim, Ivan, and all these folks they're staying with are Alane's cousins. So they're not other Aes Sedai. They're just, you know, folk and Mm -hmm. Alane's family. They're looking after Lan in case this breaking of the bond leads to Lan wanting to like unalive himself. So they're really concerned about him and they're like keeping an eye on, even when he's taking a piss, they're they're checking in on him because they, they, they're worried about the guy. And treating him like family, offering yeah. him food, and he says, oh, no, I'm full from breakfast. And then she goes, that was two hours ago. <laughs> I guess they eat a lot of meals. I don't know. Um, Alane invites Lan to the White Tower and suggests that Lan can hook up with Nynaeve there. Um, Nynaeve will need a water that she went through the arches. Um, so you remember last episode during Nynaeve's dream, like Lan knew that information about the arches here. He actually is getting the information about that. Mm -hmm. Uh, is Lan talking differently in this episode or have we just never heard him speak this much? (laughs) It, I, I'm not sure about that. I didn't notice a difference, but what I did notice is that. I listened to an interview with Daniel Henney. He sounds nothing like, he doesn't talk anything like Lan. He mm. talks more like you and me. He talks very fast, very emphatically. He has a high-pitched voice. So he's doing a lot of heavy lifting to be Lan here. He's like um, Stephanie Beatrice, I think is her name, from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. 
Right. Yeah. That's a, that, that's exact. Yes. Because she had to like pretend to have a, a tough guy voice when actually her voice is just a normal feminine voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Good call. Um, they're talking about Moraine, though. Um, they being Alane and the the water crew. And they let us. I'm sorry. It wasn't Alane. I think it was Varen here that was talking about this. I'm sorry. I didn't write down names. It, it had to be Alane. They were talking about Moraine and how 20 years ago, <laughs> something happened and Moraine has been different ever since then. So 20 years ago, when the Aiel War happened, when we saw the lady fighting in the snow with the baby and all her kids are about 20 and also 20 years ago, <laughs> Moraine has been vastly different. It's crazy. It took us to start recording this podcast for me to realize, oh, that was the thing that happened 20 years ago. (laughs) Well, I mean, again, that's why we do this. That's why recaps exist. In case you missed something, here it is. Um, Now, it was explained in season one that she and Swan Sanchez, the uh, not Sanchez, Swan Sanchez, the Armorill and Seat, who's missing right now. You know, Moraine's um, lover. We saw them last season. They had a little magic mirror and they would like make out together. And that was the Armorill and Seat. They have a secret relationship. What if she's the dark friend? What, that was it. Oh, holy Ooh. Christmas. I'm calling that. She's <laughs> the dark crap. friend. Okay. It means Swan, the, uh, the Armorill and Seat. Uh huh. Okay. All right. Well, what happened 20 years ago is. Moraine and Swan were present at a foretelling that the dragon was going to be born at the mountains of mist. And they had like all this concrete evidence that they really believed it. And so they have been searching ever since in secret. And you think maybe that, uh, I mean, it's a good call that's that Swan is a dark, if she had been a dark friend, like all along, and then she learns this information and then she's pretending to be helping Moraine this whole time and becomes the Armorillon in the meantime. That's like some genius, like evil mastermind stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But speaking of Moraine, we're going to cut right to her now. Um, she's going through all of her old stuff. She's got some pre-rolls, baby. You saw that, right? No. Yeah, she pulled, she's pulling out all of her stuff, and she's got three pre-rolls in there. They look Dang. exactly like pre-rolls. <laughs> Heather it, said they were cigars, and I was like, those are not cigars. I'm sorry. They could be pre-rolled cigars. I don't know. She, The way she smelled them and like she was all about them, I think she's like, oh, yeah, I forgot I had my weed here. This is so sweet. Oh, well, that's like bottom leaf in Lord of the Rings, <laughs> where it's it is tobacco, but it is looked a little more like... Oh, like you're drinking whiskey. Oh, I'm a connoisseur at this type of tobacco. That's at least how a teacher explained it to me in high school, that it it gets you feeling a little bit more at ease than normal tobacco. Could it be, you know, a a carryover? Yeah, yeah. could it be a carryover of also weed smoke? Who knows what Mr. Tolkien was up to, especially in the war, you know? (laughs) these guys were all buddies and Robert Jordan has the equivalent of that. He calls it the two rivers to back. And a lot of characters are really into this two rivers to back. And it seems like that is like the weed of this world. I Mm -hmm. don't know if it's going to be introduced in the show or not. It's definitely a book thing though. But yes, we, we cut to Moraine looking at her joints and all her stuff. And she's got that painting of her and her little sister where the little sister is 
you know, like looks like she's maybe six, whereas now she's an older woman. But Moraine looks exactly the same. Um, she begins asking about Rand, going to all her old uh, hookups. Uh, she eventually goes to see Loghain. He's immediately affected and pissed as soon as she walks in. But we learn that Moraine is the reason that he is there. He should be at the White Tower being studied by the yellow. I'm sorry, being studied by the browns or maybe being healed by the yellows. But instead, he is here. And it's distinctly because of Moraine and the different ties that she has. Like she's supposed to be a real well-connected blue Aja. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So that's, you know, that's where we're at right here. Um, he said that they treat him like a butterfly without wings. And I'm like, dude, that's mm. just a caterpillar. <laughs> they treat him like a caterpillar. Damn it. But I, also, if anyone's like, James, you missed the meaning of that. I get it. He's this beautiful thing that should be looked upon in awe. But because he doesn't have those wings, he's not. That's the thing. I get it. James gets it. Enough with your letters. We're getting so many letters mad at James. Uh, not really. Nobody's ever. Everybody loves you, by the way, James. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> okay. She offers him a blade in exchange for helping teach Rand with the one power, which is a really, it, I'll, I'll get back to that. Um, Loghain says that Rand hates his powers and he can't control his powers. Um, so Moraine is bribing basically Loghain with this blade to teach Rand. I have two questions. The first one is how do you think Loghain can teach Rand if he can't do it himself? He can't show Rand the weaves like Nynaeve sees the weaves and can like do them, but there's, he can't do any weaves. I don't know. I think someone <laughs> who, someone who doesn't have hands could teach someone how to play piano. And like, if they knew how to play piano, mm. you still have those tips and tricks to explain like, hey, here are things that I did. Here are, mm. here are ways that I learned. Or if you're teaching someone a new language, you if someone is trying to learn Japanese, but it's like you could still ask someone who doesn't know Japanese, but knows like four other languages to be like, hey, how are what are some tips and tricks to okay. learn a new language? Yeah. Uh I wish you were in our Facebook group, James, because yeah, these are excellent answers. Nobody else came up with these, these answers. And I like them because especially the piano one, because let's say like there's only one person in the world who remembers how to play piano, but they don't have hands. They're the best person that could teach somebody else how to play piano. Nobody mm -hmm. else could even begin. Loghain is like the only male person who has ever been known to channel. So he's the only person that could possibly train Rand. So yeah, you've just turned me around. Good job, James. Yeah, make that a clip and make sure you edit out my stumbling. <laughs> I know. All right. I'll, I'll, at at least for clips. For at least if you for make clips, it a clip, it you, that's what I do. If right. my, I, I'll do a little bit of lax editing, but if it's a clip because I know it needs to be under 90 seconds, naive seconds, so <laughs> make sure you're editing my stumblings. All righty. I'll take the criticism. I'll take it. All right, Egwene and Elaine, they're talking about Nynaeve as they mop up the floor. Um, and oh, the main thing I'm taking, yeah, go ahead, sorry. Real quick, 
actors go out and if they're like, hey, I'm a nurse in this, I need to probably like discuss this with some nurses. Uh, maybe if you're a firefighter, go talk to some firefighters, maybe go out on a day with them. If you're going to be mopping, learn how to mop, guys. It is so like, hey, guys, we're actors mopping. That's the only time so far that I've been like, oh, th this isn't really good acting. Th the What they're saying and the emotions on their faces are great, but what they're doing with their hands is not. Every time I watched it, James, I thought the exact same thing. I didn't write it down as a note to talk about, but I was absolutely noticing that that, nine, uh, that Egwene would just stick her mop in the bucket and then just pull it out and just start mopping around. And that would just make the biggest damn mess in the world. I would <laughs> also, uh, I used to do custodial work, hate it. It's the, it's one of the worst jobs I ever had. Maybe if it was during the day and not during like a half second shift half third shift type weird schedule it right. it would have been okay you got to listen to music have a good time but if i was on the precipice of being able to move dirt and then someone said hey you're on mop duty for x amount of time i'd be like oh i will learn how to move dirt because i will just be mopping by whipping up the dust with my little fingers, the magic that I have, mm -hmm. and then like putting it into a pile and mm -hmm. then just sweeping and say, hey, it's clean. <laughs> They're trying to teach these young girls character. I thought the same thing too. I was like, this would be a great opportunity to teach them something practical, how to use the magic in a mm -hmm. practical application. But no, they want to give them slave labor by washing dishes and uh, mopping floors and this is this is on purpose they're trying to you know give them menial labor to do so they can feel like menial people i suppose i don't know the dishes i get you know like food isn't an element so <laughs> let's well, the main takeaway i got from elaine and Egwene talking here is she alludes to how helpful nynaeve was to her when ran died she doesn't mm -hmm. name Rand by name, but she just says, you know, I lost somebody. Nynaeve was there for me. So I want to be here for her too. Um, Nynaeve is just getting bowed at by the other uh, novices in the hallway. She goes to visit the warder pit here and she talks to a young warder. That's his name in the credits, young warder. <laughs> I hate when they do that. They have so many characters they could use. 4,000 character names and they're saying young warder. Anyway, she's, he hopes that she doesn't choose the red nine Leandrin overhears this conversation. And the vibe is Nynaeve might choose the red. Oh no. That's kind of the vibe I got from this conversation. The way mm -hmm. like Leandrin was looking over the way Nynaeve kind of, you know, shut this guy down real quick. I'm not sure why she did that, by the way. I feel like she's in a place where she doesn't want to choose any she's equally upset with everyone <laughs> that makes sense yes <laughs> um leandrin as she's listening to this she gets a letter somebody delivers her one one of her reds and it's about the attack on tommen's head um where perrin and loyal and those guys are and they're taking prisoners of the shiaran she goes to Leanne with this information, and it seems like Leandrin is unsatisfied with what the tower is doing. She doesn't think the tower is doing all they can. She's like, Leandrin is like, where are the reports? Where is the armorillon? You know, it's obvious she's not happy with what's being done here. 
She mentions to Leanne that if the Armorillon falls, so will Leanne, which is a real cryptic way to end the conversation with uh, the second in command of the whole tower. <laughs> wait, wait so is she an Aes Sedai, the keeper? Yes. Okay, so it could be she's the dark friend. Okay, all right. Because that would actually make even more sense because she is mm -hmm. not explaining where the Armorillon is. Right. And Amaretto, I think, is what I called her, Armadillo. <laughs> so I that that's going to be my guess. If it's not the, the top dog, it's her because she says – She's asked, hey, when was the last time you spoke with her? Mm -hmm. And she says, every time I open my mouth, I am speaking with her. And that's actually the best. Because the, trying to get the top dog truly should be the most powerful Aes Sedai. That's going to be a hard get. But influencing the person who influences everyone else, right. that's easy to do and has just as much weight behind it. Yeah, and there's plenty of... Uh plenty of stuff here that can that confirms your theory um the way leanne's talking back to leandrin absolutely um leandrin has moved up to like she's one of my top three overall characters of this show just straight up like of the whole series i'm most impressed with leandrin nynaeve and Logain. those mm -hmm. are my absolute three favorites which is interesting because my book favorites also nynaeve so that stays same but Perrin and Matt are my other two book favorites. And, you know, it's not like I dislike the guys, but they're not near my favorites at this point. Um, so I'd like to see that change, but I just think that's interesting that, you know, that's who I'm, that's who I'm drawn to. Like I wasn't as drawn to these characters, um, Leandrin and Loghain in the books as much as I am on this show. And I guess it says something about the actors who are playing them. Mm -hmm. I will say Leandrin definitely got elevated this episode and people will be like, well, what about that reveal that she did something bad? I don't think she did something bad and we'll get into that in a little bit. Yeah, it was left too vague. All right, this episode, this is the fun part. We meet the wolf pack finally. Elias insists that he and Perrin are part of the pack because Perrin is talking like the pack is something separate. But Elias says, no, this is our pack. We're part of this. We're wolf brothers. They actually use that phrase, I think, for the first time. That's the I think it's the first time we heard that phrase. I'll and be honest, Steve, when you made that song Wolf Bra, I was like, why is it that? <laughs> so then when he said that, I was like, oh, it's it, it is a thing in Wheel of Time. All right. He just wasn't making up a word. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Uh, Perrin funnily asks, am I going to change into a wolf? <laughs> and Elias is just like, don't be stupid. Because um, I think a lot of people who don't know Wheel of Time might be thinking that. Also, don't, in quotes, don't be stupid. It's magic. There's no stupid questions when it It's like, oh, sorry. I don't know this element of magic. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> No, you're right about that, actually. It's not a stupid question. I, th I think it's actually a really, now that you mention it, it's a, it's a fantastic, great question. Because if he is going to turn into that, he's got to be prepared for it. Mm -hmm. Got to get his clothes tailored. Anyway, they spot a vision of a buck in the woods. And this is the way that the wolves communicate with each other. As Elias explains, they send visions to each other. And he also explains, this is how they found Perrin. Because Perrin has been sending them visions for months. 
And Perrin has sent them visions when he was tied up with the White Clicks with Egwene. So this is the same wolf pack. Elias was also there helping them get away from the White Cloaks. And they also know about Perrin losing Layla. They can see his grief. And that's one of the reasons that this, the main wolf of the uh, pack kind of feels like a kinship to Perrin because this wolf also lost its mate. And so, you know, he kind of feels like he has a lot in common with Perrin. Um, he asks his name. Oh, first off, they don't trust I Sedai. They don't trust anybody, but they especially don't trust I Sedai for mm-hmm. whatever reason. He doesn't really give a good reason. Uh, yeah, he does. He says that I Sedai don't, don't they understand. don't like what we do. they don't you i think said it under your breath <laughs> yeah they don't like what they don't understand there yes. we go that's what i was trying to say cut <laughs> if this is a clip you better make sure that's polished God damn it more work okay um so the wolf sends an image of himself hopping happily to parents so parent now knows this wolf's name is hopper so we have finally met hopper <laughs> And this, it really, I was smiling so big that there were tears in my eyes. Whoa. But this was also one of the dumbest scenes I've yeah. ever seen. I'm so glad you said it. <laughs> All right, good. I mean, it was equal parts, like, adorable and silly. I mean, and I think everybody agrees with me. I've seen so many memes about this. Um, everybody's really happy to have met Hopper, but it was in a pretty silly way. It, like, what if he was, like, licking, it, like, cleaning his genitals, and he's like, oh, his name's Crotchlick. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't know. I do know these wolves. Was I telling Heather or was I telling you about the long-ass names the wolves have for each other? You are for sure t- t- telling this to your wife. Okay. Because, yeah, th- what the wolves' names to each other are are things like moonlight shining off of a dewy covered leaf in the evening or something like that. Like that's their name, but the image is just like that one little image. So humans would just call them, you know, sparkle. I'd call them dewy. (laughs) Dewy. I I think Hopper's full name is something like, you know, joyful puppy that likes to frolic and play a lot or something like that. But you know, to parent, it's just Hopper. I'd call him player. A (laughs) yay. Also, when they say, hey, we see we see your wife when you sleep, I wish he had gone, we suggest therapy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, next scene. We're going back to Lan. Lan's rereading this poem. And later on, Maxim and Lan are talking about the bond in living without the bond. We learn here that Lan's okay living without the bond. Um, just because he had the bond masked by Moraine so often that he already knows what it's like to be without the bond. Mm-hmm. Maxim is in kind of the same boat where um, the ma- the bond gets masked from him. This is the scene that he talks about that, right? Yeah. Well, so, they're well, they're gathering water for an Aes Sedai, which I was like, again, <laughs> use the power for chores. You can manipulate water. Right. 
so yeah, they talk about how the tower knows about this situation. The tower is okay with it. Maxim explains how, you know, marriages are different, but kind of what I took from this though, I took an interesting turn and okay. This is a book thing. Okay. This is, I mean, I'm sorry. This is a show only thing. None of this is in the book. So what I'm going to say is just pure speculation. All right. They can hide stuff from Maxim. Like if, if, Ivan and Ivana wanted to hide something from Maxim. They could mm-hmm. because they hide, they mask him from the bond unless they're in battle or having sex. So they could easily be talking trash about Maxim behind his back or having different alternative reasons for doing things that he doesn't even know about. Or maybe they're the dark friends or maybe they're the dark. Exactly. And they're hiding that from Maxim. That's absolutely could be, but let's see. Do I have anything else to say about that? Nah, we're going to move on, James. See, they hide things from Maxim, but when I was a kid, I had to hide my Maxim <laughs> from my parents. <laughs> the true reversal. That was a terrible magazine, by the way. I've like, never read a single issue of it. Okay, good. I was, I was like, it It was daunted as this, like, highbrow, um, you know, woman gaze magazine, I suppose, with all these manly articles and whatnot. It was an awful magazine. And every now and then they would have a, an interview with a good band. And so I'd want to pick that up and read it. And then the rest of the magazine was total trash. I'm sorry, Maxim readers. I love Maxim the Warder, though. That's, uh, let's all get behind Maxim if we can. Oh, with an ass like that, I'd like to get behind him. <laughs> all right, we're going to go back to Moraine and Carheen. She said she wants to keep a low profile. So she puts on her big puffy blue dress with her (laughs) jewel on her forehead. She stands out in a crowd to everyone, but she wants to keep a low profile. Remember, James, she's trying to stay low. Um, She talks to the four gate guard, trying to figure out where Rand is. Um, And yeah, the scene kind of shifts from there to Rand and Celine now. Did you have anything about Moraine before I move on? No, but I do think... Keeping a low profile just means you're blending into your own surroundings. So if she is a noble person, it would make more like a lot of people might have forgotten her by now, but it would be easier coming and going in that house. If you look like a noble person going and coming and going opposed to, oh, I look like this just neutral person, then that's suspicious. I guess so. If she wanted to keep a low profile, which is what she said, I think like a a nice gray cloak would have been the best. That's just me. (laughs) So let's see. Rand and Celine arrive at the cabin at Ken Slayer's dagger. Um, Celine keeps talking about her former lover and how he was powerful, confident, and arrogant. Those are like the three adjectives she used to describe him. Oh, wonder who it was. Mm, we'll see. <laughs> uh, according to her and Rand, and at this point in the story, no one gives you what you want, not the wheel. You have to take what you want. And they take smoochies here. They, they kiss. Do people in real life ever kiss this slowly? I don't think so. This happens in Dark, too, where like every scene is real slow, and you'll have... Um, Jonas and Martha and they'll like be looking at each other for like a full minute. And then like after 30 seconds, they're here still looking, still looking at each other. Then they finally kiss. I mean, 
I don't, nobody in real life does this, James. This is a TV thing to savor the kiss. It's also like their lips are slightly touching for maybe four (laughs) seconds and then they go in a little bit longer. Then they start kissing. What's up, butter? It's a butter break. Well, I'm going to go on to our next scene. Um, We got Min and Matt here. They're Dyson in the bar. Uh, Min goes to check in with the bartender, and she tells the bartender she's meeting somebody in the attic later. Interesting. I'm going to go ahead and skip ahead to that scene, because we only have one more scene with Min and Matt, so I'm going to dive into it now. Apparently, she's at the same place, and she's remembering her aunts. It seems like she's having a dream here, and I believe that's what's happening. Um, She's remembering when her aunts... Uh, we're forcing her to read fortunes against her will. And at some point, I believe this was a dream sent by Ishmael. I'm, I'm not sure about that. Some people think this is real. I kind of think it was a dream. But she meets Ishmael here, and he promises that he will take away that sight if, you know, if she does what she's supposed to do with him. And it seems like Leandrin is working directly with Ishmael based on this information here. Mm-mm. I don't believe that. Well, the reason I think that is because Leandrin told, told men that she was going to set her up with somebody. They're going to meet the person in the attic. Then men's in the attic and there is Ishmael. So like I said, I think this is a dream, but Leandrin's definitely tied in here somewhere. I don't think this is. Th- that would be like saying... Oh, if if someone were to say like Moraine set up all of this stuff with Ran to uh, meet this lady, and then uh oh, it's a dark friend. No, like this Ishmael clearly is aware of things happening. He knows where people are. He knows where Rand is. He he's aware of all of this shit happening. Mm-hmm. That's and true. if there's if there's another person in the tower who might have uh, overheard Leandrin, that could have gotten back to them. But I think okay, this is him finding out about this and taking advantage of it. So then he can take out two birds with one stone. He can get uh, also three we, birds. <laughs> uh, yeah. Leandrin as well, because he could say like, hey, mm-hmm. uh, everyone would assume it was her having to do with this. Mm-hmm. So I think it's just too much of a red herring for her to be the dark friend. Uh, oh, it would be such an obvious thing. It would be like, we I we hate bringing up Harry Potter, but at least I do. Uh, like Snape, oh, clearly he's working with Voldemort only to spoilers, I think. he's No, he's <laughs> not. Like, he's actively against it. Right. Who, Snape? Yeah. He wasn't actively against more spoilers. He was on the good team the whole time. Yeah, actively against uh, Voldemort. Okay, okay, okay. Yes, yes. But okay, he, like covertly, like yes. he he didn't want people to know that he used to be friends with the dude. I think I haven't seen. I never watched all of them. But which I'm just taking this uh, a wholesale of things I've heard. <laughs> so it just is too much of a obvious choice okay and she clearly hates men who channel who who's the epitome of a man who channels the dark one okay yeah okay i'm with all that all right 
Well, I know that he gives her orders to bring Matt to Carheen, and whether or not Min or Leandrin are dark or not, they're definitely Ishmael is definitely like making a play here mm -hmm. to trying to get into their heads in some way. Um, I know that he can't be in two places at one time. I brought up that whole thing about the uh, geography earlier for a reason. And this is the reason why, because he can't possibly be here and then also be all the way over there in Tom and head in the West at the exact same time with Perrin and those guys and, mm -hmm. and the Empress. It would also make sense that this is a dream because of the angle shifts and like yeah. him talking and then all of a sudden it's zoomed up and his mouth isn't moving. Oh, right. yeah, that could be magic stuff. But I think this is a dream. I think this is him taking advantage of the situation. What will probably happen is she will wake up in a panic, get Matt and leave before the person should who is actually helping will come to the attic and be like, where's this person? Will we find that out the next episode? I don't think so. It might be a little bit further down the line when Leandrin sees her and there's a conflict and she's like, no, you were supposed to meet so-and-so. Right. Okay. I like that. I hope that's how it is. I mean, obviously I know how the story ends, but I don't know how we get there. Mm -hmm. So any of this is is possible. So I really hope that what you're saying is right. I like that. Um, cause well, I've been right about a lot of shit, okay? Admittedly, yeah, okay? I mean, I got to admit, you have been, so. <laughs> oh, whoops. Can't go I, uh, The windscreenless. only thing I hope, even though I'm like, it, it could happen, Alo the, the woman with alopecia, if she is mm -hmm. a dark friend, I will be very pissed. Right, yes. Uh, yeah, we haven't seen her at all. So, I mean, she'll come up later because she has a name. Mm -hmm. Like the dude who was like, you know, young warder. He's probably not going to come back, unfortunately. Well, but remember, Ishmael mm -hmm. was listed as the dark one, right? There's a different reason for that, though, because they wanted to um, yes. hide who he was. Or maybe he is the dark one. Maybe next time on Wheel of Time, <laughs> we'll find out. And maybe James was correct about something. Maybe. It's about something. You've been right about lots, James. <laughs> You've said it yourself. <laughs> no, I mean about some, like in next episode, maybe we'll find out I was right about another thing. <laughs> All right, let's see. Uh, I'm going to head over to the White Tower. Nynaeve and Leandrin are hanging out at the arches and Nynaeve is asking Leandrin, you know, was it real? Did anything I see in there real? Um, Leandrin's like, well, the, the pain was real. The memories were real. Um, it was real enough. Nynaeve reveals, I said it last week, but you know, she says it here for the first time that she was in there for years that she feels like. Um, it seems like Leandrin is kind of coming to terms with herself here. And, you know, she knows that Nynaeve knows her secret now. And we already know that Moraine knows her secret. But it kind of seems like Leandrin has kind of come into terms with the fact that this shouldn't even be a secret at all. Like we're almost seeing like a different side of Leandrin. Um, which I welcome, of course. I mean, I like the evil conniving Leandrin and the, and the mean looks she gives. <laughs> it does something to me. But um, I like this side of her as well. Uh, eventually, Leandrin drops some of her guard and she shares or seemingly and she shares the news of the invasion to Nynaeve mm -hmm. about what happened in Tom and Head. So um before I switch to the next scene, do you have anything you wanted to go into? 
just her saying, oh, men who channel the madness they get, people think that's the curse. But us Aes Sedai, we have the real <laughs> curse of seeing people grow old. That's such like corporate bullshit of, well, you know, like, What's really hard is running the company. That's why a CEO should get paid so much. No. Thank you, James. I really appreciate that point of view. I honestly do. All right. This leads, um, I'm kind of skipping scenes a little bit. Um, after Leandrin shares that news with Nynaeve, um, I'm going to cut over to where Egwene and Elaine were drinking and just talking Nynaeve busts in and tells Egwene about the capture. Well, first she kicks Elaine out of her own room. Mm -hmm. That was <laughs> very she, funny. Yes. But, but this she, is my room. <laughs> and I'll go clean my dishes, I guess. <laughs> uh, she tells Egwene about this whole capture. And Nynaeve is, is all raring to go. Nynaeve can go. As an accepted, she can leave the tower. It's fine. Egwene can't. Novices cannot leave the tower. Um, but she insists on going anyway, um, which Nynaeve accepts. As they're heading down there, it turns out Elaine has followed along and she's all gung-ho too. She wants to help out also. So Leandrin meets them down there. And when she sees Elaine, she calls Elaine a complication. Then she apologizes. Then she does the blast against the wall. And that's the last we see of them here, which first off, I want to say she could have easily just um, shielded them. <laughs> that would have been much more um, humane and it might not have broken their backs getting mm -hmm. slammed against that wall. She could have just shielded them all instead of knocking them out cold. And uh, people will probably point to this. Oh, well, she's got to be a dark friend. She just hurt all of them. No, it, this is red herring shit. It's probably so, to too. knock them out so then she can bring them wherever they need to be. Yeah. It's, it's all fine that Nynaeve is going with her. And I think that was the plan. Nynaeve was going to meet Leandrin right here. Mm -hmm. And then Nynaeve brought Egwene along, which is bad enough, but then bringing the daughter princess along. That's just, that's just a no go. So I, my guess is this Leandrin obviously knew. I think this is when you could say obvious, she knew she was going to, that Nynaeve was going to tell Egwene and yes. Egwene was going to come yes. with. That's so apparent. And the complication is Egwene going missing, that's fine. Oh, she mm -hmm. couldn't handle what's going on, you know, her friend, this and that. Oh, okay. She's she's just some, some mountain bumpkin. Right. But the right. other person is set to be a queen. And plus they, they've been saying that she's, one of the more powerful Aes Sedai in the tower already. Mm -hmm. So yeah, she would absolutely be missing there. And yeah, I can't make any conclusions because they leave us pretty blank there. We can just um, make our own assumptions of what's going to happen next. Uh, I hope that you're right. And I hope we, it turns out that, you know, it's just, I, I don't know what I hope. I kind of hope that she leaves Elaine where she is. Maybe like does a little bit of memory wipe or something like Elaine's like, oh, I was drunk. I don't know what happened last night. And then she, you know, takes Egwene and Nynaeve off because she needs that big power to to beat those sentient people. She Lenny Bruce's her. <laughs> in what way? I don't understand. Uh, when she like she puts her in her bed 
and then puts a bunch of like needles and shit oh. around her like the cops did to <laughs> Lenny Bruce. Isn't that fucked up, guys? Totally, man. Yes. All right. I'm with you. <laughs> okay, James. Uh, next scene, we got Lan, Maxim, and Ivan meditating. Or at least trying to meditate. We got two guys that are meditation masters. One guy that's too ADD to even do it. That's Maxim. Um, he lasted about 10 minutes and he ran off. Very which, funny. Which is great. That's totally me. And then you got Ivan and Lan. They're, um, you know, two like-minded dudes. Um, they examine the fact of Moraine saying that they were not equals. Ivan kind of feels the same way we feel. Um he was kind of going both ways. He was putting Aes Sedai on a pedestal, but then at the same time, he was like, only us warders can like see who they really are, which also makes them kind of not equals also in a different kind of way. Um, I like what Ivan says about quiet people always having conversations in their heads because I related that with that greatly. I'm mostly a quiet person who's always having a conversation in my head. Sometimes with you, when I'm in my truck, I'll hear you talking sometimes, like you and Nicole, and I'm like, okay, I'll have a conversation with these guys while, while I'm out of here. And you're screaming like, <laughs> why? What, you're getting all of this wrong, and then you'll post it. <laughs> Actually, this has never happened. I will sometimes post in descriptions, editor's notes, when I get something mm -hmm. completely wrong. I'm like, hey, editor's note, I got this wrong. I'm waiting for the day someone's like, hey, um, actually, and then tells me something. And I go, yeah, that's why it's in the description of the episode. <laughs> yep. Because um, there's a huge one in the next Engage with Nicolas Cage when it comes to who Jennifer Beale, Jessica Beals, <laughs> Jessica Alba, and Elizabeth <laughs> Shue are. I got all of those wrong. <laughs> I don't blame you. It's, it's tough to keep them straight, James. Let's see. Maxim has found the bloody poem, and he shows it to Alane, and they examine that a little bit, um, which is interesting. This poem that they found and they read, uh, the chapter I was reading last night in The Great Hunt, they also find the poem except for, you know, book difference. This poem instead was, um, was written in blood on a wall and um, some Aes Sedai had to like translate it. And it wasn't like in a note conveniently like this, but it was word for word, the exact same poem. Which I thought was really neat that I just watched this episode and then I'm reading the exact poem in my book. And they were able to read that because they had the forensic cops from the Stunt 101 G-Unit music video coming with black lights. Exactly. I'm unfamiliar, but I know exactly what you mean. Uh-huh. <laughs> Guys, watch that. Actually, I think it's also what happens in Fast and Furious or... Uh, uh, no, it happened in Gone in 60 Seconds. I was like, wait, this is just... Okay, a all right. I think the same dude directed that video. I could be wrong. <laughs> All right, next scene, Moraine returns. Well, not home, but she returns to um, her sister's house. Her sister's waiting for her by the fire. Uh, Moraine has not found Rand, but it turns out her sister has outmaneuvered her the whole way. She knows what Moraine was doing, and she knows where Rand is. Mm -hmm. It's really neat the way she did that because we saw Moraine go to multiple people asking about Rand. She doesn't get any answers. 
But on second watch, it's clear that they are definitely Lady Anna Veer's people. And mm -hmm. they've been instructed to not tell Moraine anything, but to get information from Moraine about what she's looking for. This whole family is just <laughs> is smart as whips. I mean, she's got it going on. I loved, she said, all the eyes and ears you had here are now mine. Mm -hmm. And if you want the information, you're going to have to get it by asking me politely as you can over tea. And that's that's how you get back at a family member. Because Hell she's like, yeah. hey, you left me with nothing because our uncle sh just pissed away our fortune. But I, I, I worked my way up clawing and scrapping at the literal scraps that I needed to get in order to get back to where we are. And yeah, it just real good. Real great. <laughs> this, I love this woman. Um, so she probably gives Moraine some information. I'm pretty sure she does because we're going to go to our last scene here with Rand and Celine having a little camp out. So they're camping outside the cabin. Um, they're sleeping by the fire, not inside the cabin. Um, I believe this is contrived, not for us, the audience, but I believe this was a setup that Celine set this up to happen. And that's the reason that they're outside because my first note I wrote here was Rand and Celine are camping outside of the cabin. Why aren't they sleeping in the cabin? That was before I uh, kind of made the realization that, you know, she had snookered him here. Maybe she dumped out real good in the bathroom and she said, oh, we should just like go out under the stars. You don't need to come in here. <laughs> Let's see. We see Rand attacked by a fade. And I don't know how detailed you noticed, but the fade came out of the shadows and then it like separated itself from the shadows. Like when you pull like a piece of cheese pizza and like the cheese stretches, like the shadows mm -hmm. stretched as he came out there. Oh, wonder where they got that from. Oh, yeah. Pokemon Adventures. <laughs> I'm going to keep going with that bit. All right. <laughs> so, yeah, Rand cannot sword fight this thing. He hasn't gotten a lot of sword training at this point, uh, but he can channel. So he instructs Celine to stand behind him and he channels to kill it. Real easy. Nothing too complicated here. But this is the first time that Celine has seen him channel. So this confirms that last episode that he had that wet dream that he and Celine didn't get freaky with the red coat and all that kind of stuff. That was just a dream or, or that that was a dream implanted. Like it could have happened. I E she implanted that dream into his brain sure, sure. to make him burn things down. So then, Oh, you want to go to my cabin? Well, yeah, yes. I do believe that all that was a setup. But in Rand's mind, this is the first time that she has actually seen him channel. He has been hiding that from her this whole time. Okay. Uh, yes, yeah, in his mind. But in his mind. In yeah. her mind. At, like, if if I could implant a dream into your brain and we're hanging out, that is us hanging out. <laughs> True enough. All right. Um, right. Let's see. The conversation turns from Rand channeling to eventually he tells... Celine in an offhanded way that he loves her. Um, she decides that she wants him to stay, um, that, you know, they might as well spend the rest of their time together because there's no time like now. Um, and she wishes, she tells him that she wishes he had told her. We learn more about her former lover here. And as they're making love, 
Um, this is when Ivan the warder over with the other crew is starting to read the prophecy. So we're hearing these words as we're watching Celine and Rand revealing to us that Celine is actually Lanfear. So she does like the whole thing where she's on top and then she starts to channel and do something weird. She says that she's a monster and Rand's like, huh? What do you mean? <laughs> I thought it was really funny the way he did that. He yeah. didn't just like watch. He was like, what do you mean? <laughs> I'm clueless right now. <laughs> um, right as she's about to overpower Rand, this is when Moraine comes, drives her through from the back end, slices her throat. Wowzers. It's so gory. And I think this is just TV 14. Yeah, it's very gory. And this is what I was saying before, how they remixed the books, because this happened in the books. It did not happen here. It did not happen in this situation. But this did happen where Moraine stabbed Lanfear through, left her for dead. Allegedly dead. I think Moraine knows that she's not really dead, that she mm -hmm. did the best she could to kill her without having the one power because she doesn't have the one power. She can't do anything else at this point. But um, Wait, why not tell Rand to finish her off? Um, That's a good question. I think that with Rand being at the level that he's at and he hasn't done any training, I don't think he'd be any match for Lanfear. And I think yeah. Moraine knows that. Well, I think like, hey, so we cut her, cut her neck. Hey, now that she's down on the ground. But I just realized when he has channeled, it has been towards people he is vehemently opposed to. Like, oh, mm -hmm. this is fight or flight. I need to get rid of them. He is still in love with this woman yes. in this moment. So yes. it would be uh, like all the all the al the analogies i have metaphors are just dirty so never mind <laughs> okay i think they should have chopped her head off i think that would have been a good move yeah that's always the move it's to chop the head off but then um, it becomes the thing and then it's yeah. like crawling around Ugh. or she would have like just taken some real rough stitches and like stitched it back so it was all like wobbly and shit no, I think, I think it that. like like tiny, not tendrils, but like tendons would like start to like pull it back together, Ooh. and then which would have been cool. But hey, we we wanted this to release on time. If they're doing shit <laughs> like that, that takes a few more days in the VFX house. They did do something VFX. I don't know if you noticed or not, but you know she's staring. The, she being um, Landfear. Let's call her Landfear now. Um, she's staring blankly with her dead eyes and then her eyes blink. Um, did you notice when her eyes blink the way like all the black stuff swirled around and like, oh, her no. pupils? yeah, if you go back and rewatch that and, um, there's a specific name for that that's in the books, but there's like these black specks that like are swirling all around her eyes, um, emphasizing, you know, that she is totally evil and totally alive and totally magical. But yeah, Rand still wants to stick around. Like at this point, he's still in love with her until Moraine talks some sense into Rand. Rand <laughs> grabs Moraine by the throat first, though, but she insists that they run. They finally run. That's when we see that Lanfear blink. And that's the end of the episode, James. That's I was good. out of my seat at this. I was out of my seat at this point. I loved it. Mm -hmm. And. I guess that's why I thought it was a little uneven in the middle because it was so exciting here at the end and I was just so into it. So like, you know, all through this episode, I was enjoying it. Hey, we're watching this. Everything's chill. Oh, Moraine. And like, there's not a lot of action. And then this happens at the end and 
it just blew me away. I think it made the episode. Some people didn't like it. They didn't like the reveal or they, they thought the, um, the tail end was too unbelievable. Whereas I'm totally on board and I can't wait to see where it goes. I'm a broken record. I mean, I'm very enthusiastic and optimistic about this show and I'm unabashedly. So cause I keep feeling, I keep finding myself saying the same thing all the time and it's never negative, mm-hmm. but I mean, that's just my point of view. That's where I come from. That's why I do this. Yeah, I had one negative thing last week about just like a very minute neg- I forgot what it was, but it was pretty much like, you know, you you did character wise or it would have just been an acting choice. And then this was just guys mop better. Right. Yeah. Mop better and maybe um, do the hopper scene a little better. <laughs> Oh uh, yeah, I, I tr- <laughs> this season is so much better. Like last season was great, but this season is so so good it because really it is. feels like a lived-in world now that we're branching out and seeing everyone different. Normally, I I said I think our first watch along, I said I hate it when teams are split apart and we're having to like watch them all come back together. Mm-hmm. But in this, it's it's not them having to find each other again. It's more so learning how learning their own strength. So when mm-hmm. they eventually do get back together, they can fucking wreck house. Yeah. They'd like the Scooby-Doo team with all their different little specialties. Um, Scooby-Doo. Why did I say that? Well, so in Scooby-Doo, Hey, Hey, in Scooby-Doo, they technically do leave for a little bit, you know, after, you know, in, uh, in, Split in up the zombie the Island or, you know, in, you know, in, uh, one of the seasons of mystery incorporated or, you know, you know, <laughs> well, all right, James, we're at the end of our episode now. And I haven't even thought about who my favorite and least character, favorite, favorite and least favorite characters this episode were yet. Um, have you given it any thought? Yeah, my favorite, I think, was the guy that Maxim who stood up at from oh, meditating. Okay. That was real cool. That was just funny. And then my least favorite, Elaine. Is that her name? Oh, the, the redhead, Elaine. Yeah, just don't don't follow him. <laughs> Maybe she's the goddamn. Dark, no, wait. The, it's an Aes Sedai who's a dark friend. Never mind. Right, right. I'm sticking well, with the keeper. Okay, all right. I'll, I'll let you go with the with Elaine. I, I disagree because she's just desperate for friends. She's never had friends in her life, and now she has this friend of Gwaine. So fine. She- I'll say the keeper with the speculation that she's a dark friend. <laughs> all right. Um, I think I, I think I got the most joy this episode out of Lady Anavir. I think she did great. I, I, I like this character. I liked her last episode, but this episode we met more of her and I like the way she outmaneuvered Moraine. That's great. Um, least favorite. I didn't have a whole lot of least favorites in this episode. There's nobody that really like got on my nerves badly. I would guess I would say um, Leanne, the keeper, because she's acting really suspicious and she also hasn't done anything to endear us yet. She's been mm-hmm. a pretty uh, pretty blank character, a blank slate right now. So, yeah, I'm going to say, Leanne, you're at the bottom of the list this week. What about the top of the list this week, James? What you got going on? You got any plugs this week for us? Mm, well, real quick, speaking of dark friends, that's what I call Lindsay, your dark friend. 
<laughs> oh, yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> James, thank you. Uh-huh. <laughs> now, I always like to say it's it's a sweet child of time after dark, but I think Ooh. I like that better. Like, Lindsay, my dark friend. That's great. <laughs> what do I have to plug? What do you have to plug this week, James? Hey, guys, new EP is out. The Modern oh. Myth, MC Deep and I. It's three songs, but six tracks, because you better believe I included those instrumentals. Then listen to my other podcasts, such as the new limited series. It's every other week. We, My friend Jose from Hit It and Crit It and many times on Mostly Speak and Sentai, he has never seen the Trancers Full Moon Features series, and it's one of my favorites. So... Him and I are watching all six movies. We're going to just really, in quotes, deep dive. I was just like, hey, come over. We'll watch these. And he's like, yeah, man, I'll bring edibles. I was like, huh? And so (laughs) normally I don't be stoned while doing podcasts. Right. But that's the hook of this. We get really stoned. We watch (laughs) Trancers. And it's so late when he comes over because he works. He works late. So I think it was at like eight he or maybe seven he showed up and we got high. And then yeah. And it's somehow the most focused like, hey, let's just get into this right away. I think it's because I'm like, if we if we don't stay on track, it will go forever. And I don't want <laughs> I don't want sober James to have to reap the repercussions of stoned James. Well, man, that that bums me out because I thought you were the most focused on this podcast because I get like a real focused, like straight ahead James on this podcast. Oh, I, I, I listen to some of your other podcasts and, and, it, and it goes off the rails sometimes. I mean, in the sense of. We got right into it. There wasn't any meandering. There's no, I'm not meandering. Like, hey, how are you doing? I just said, hey, Jose, we're here to talk about trancers. Let's get into it. (laughs) I was not aware there was six trancer movies. I was under the impression that y'all were going to talk about trancers, a movie. For uh-uh. I've, never, I've never even heard of Trancers, so oh. I just thought it was a movie that y'all were doing six episodes based off of. So oh no, it's so good. At least the first three are good. Then it gets a kind of little wonky <laughs> in the fifth and sixth, or the fourth and fifth, and then the sixth I just have not seen because the fourth and fifth were just so off-putting. Okay, well, what's this podcast called? We've been talking about it. We remind oh. everybody what it's called. It's on the Marshland Media podcast feed. Wherever you're listening to this, you'll be able to find that podcast feed, but it's called Death to Squids, and that's Death, D-E-T-H, to Squids. Squids is what uh, the main character calls like the like weak-minded bad people. Okay, like shoobies. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> All right. Uh, for my plugs, I, I never plug my music enough. Um, I've released my, my wheel of time theme song. Um, I've released the, uh, my dark version theme song all under the name intro void, which you can find on Spotify, Apple, everywhere. A lot of my songs are, um, wheel of time based. I have songs called Hopper, another song called the wisdom, the song called we ran from the crow's eyes all afternoon. Um, the high questioner. Um, so yeah, I like, I like to mix up the wheel of time and dark any chance I get with my music. Please check out Introvoid. And James, we're up for the week. Uh, next week, we'll be watching episode five, which drops tonight. Tonight is Thursday, September 14th. So I'll be watching that ASAP. But until then, James, until next week, and to all the listeners, I hope you and everyone always find that water and shade. 
and the wheel waits for no woman. Also, patreon.com forward slash MLM pod. That's it. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.